1: my seven chakras episode 19
2: live exuberantly love extravagantly the seven chakras swirling vortices of energy positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head for thousands of years this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple join aditya as he embarks on a journey to interview healers, thought leaders, and experts who have dedicated their lives to raising the level of human consciousness. Welcome to My Seven Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar.
1: So, greetings, dear listeners. Aditya here, and I am electrified to bring you our featured guest today, Dawson Church. Dawson, are you ready to inspire? Always, absolutely, definitely. Perfect. So Dawson Church, PhD, is an award-winning author whose best-selling book, The Genie in Your Genes, has been hailed by reviewers as a breakthrough in our understanding of the link between emotions and genetics. He founded the National Institute for Integrative Healthcare to study and implement promising evidence-based psychological and medical techniques. So Dawson, I've given our listeners a mini introduction, so why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself?
2: Well, I've been in the health and healing field for many years, and what's exciting to me is that we're on the cusp of a huge change in medicine and psychology to the point where these practices that were previously regarded as esoteric and part of alternative medicine, are now becoming part of mainstream medicine. Like acupressure is one, yoga is one. There's research showing that yoga actually is very helpful for post-traumatic stress disorder. Yoga also improves people's levels of anxiety and depression symptoms. So we're now showing that these ancient practices, like acupressure, like qigong, like yoga, actually have effects in the body. And those effects, Aditya, aren't just minor. Those effects are major. They affect every organ system. They affect your whole circulatory system, your whole skeletal system your whole respiratory system. So what we find in research now is that these practices are coming into the mainstream and that research is showing they have a massive effect on your health and your body. So I think we're at this big shift in the whole field of medicine and psychology where we're now bringing these practices into the mainstream and validating them with medical research as being useful and fundamental to health and well-being. Wow.
1: Thank you for that amazing introduction. So here at My 7 Chakras, we believe in the power of and Sanzen, a Buddhist term which means that there are 3000 worlds, possibilities or outcomes from just a single thought. In other words, there is infinite potential in a single thought or idea. So we usually start our show with an inspirational quote that will get us into a space of awareness, learning and compassion. But before we get any further, I was wondering Dawson, if you could give us a glimpse of of the very famous laugh that you're known for.
2: (laughs) Certainly. (laughs) I I love laughter. And, you know, what I I was thinking about earlier, Mm -hmm. you were talking about the inspirational quote, is Mm -hmm. I for most of my life i didn't laugh i didn't laugh very much and, okay. and i kind of put the the lid on my exuberance and mm-hmm. just a few years ago i began th- questioning that thinking why why not laugh loud often and the whole idea that i wanted to bring to this this discussion was was the whole the whole notion of just allowing your innate being to play, to dance, and to be fully who you are. We have so many reasons why we accept being less than we might be. We have so many, maybe it's, it's the expectations of those around us, maybe it's life scripts we're living out. There are all kinds of excuses people make. Well, I can't do it because I'm a woman, I'm a man, I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too poor, my circumstances are this, that, or the next thing. So we have all these arguments against living exuberantly. And so my inspirational quote few which i mentioned earlier was live exuberantly love extravagantly and we, again, have all these arguments we have adopted that limit our ability to love. We shut down our ability to love. What happens if I get hurt? What happens if it's too much for the other person? What happens if it's overwhelming? What, you know, so there are all these what-ifs. But as a result, people wind up inhabiting only a tiny fra- fragment of their lives. So a lot of what I do is encourage people to live, to laugh, to just, you know, life is not going to be perfect. But live big, live large, and bring the gifts you were Born to bring to the people around you and all those voices that try to keep you small, keep you playing small, keep you limited, um, question those because there 's such a such a gift you can give the world by laughing, by living big, and by being the fullness
1: of yourself in your world live exuberantly, love extravagantly that 's it beautiful thanks a lot for sharing that profound thought and with that, let's ring the bell and begin our wonderful chat today. So Dawson, do you like visiting the mountains once in a while? I
2: actually live in mountains and I
1: walk in them often. Wonderful. So let's just say you're at a health retreat somewhere among the mountains and someone asks you, what is the main focus at this point in your life? What would you tell them?
2: I think I would tell them that my main focus is bringing these methods I described earlier into primary care, into hospitals, into mainstream medicine. There's been a real counterintuitive movement over the last 30 years in medicine to to becoming more and more mechanistic. And so we think first in terms of pills and Surgeries and procedures, and we think only later of these kinds of practices I mentioned earlier. But um, meditation is so affects the body that it should be part of, of virtually every medical routine, if you're diagnosed with a disease, if you're tense, if you're suffering in some way, then meditation is, affects so many physiological systems. Your heart rate slows down, your muscles relax, your blood flow increases, all kinds of beneficial things happen when you use EFT tapping, when you use meditation, when you, when you move your body, when you calm your mind. So um, what I'm really focused on is, um, is bringing these kinds of interventions into hospitals, and more and more well, they are i there's a big hospital chain near uh, where i live headquartered near here that has over 20 million members in it and now they're offering Qigong classes they're doing eft tapping they're offering yoga classes when they do when they when people go for therapy psychotherapy they get interventions like emdr like eft and so we're seeing all of these body based and non invasive personal growth practices now increasingly getting into the mainstream. And so I I really have a passion for that. I want to see them in every hospital and every every doctor's office, every nurse being aware of them and trained to encourage patients to use them. And it's not to say that we, we don't need drugs and surgery and all the other marvels of modern medicine. I believe in them. I think they're wonderful but they are part of the picture. And when they are regarded as a substitute for our own self-regulation, our own self-healing abilities, then we really, really miss the boat. So we need to look at what we can do to heal ourselves, what we can do to love ourselves, what we can do to to shift our bodies. And it turns out that we can self-regulate all kinds of things. When you meditate, when you do EFT tapping, when you do some kind of gentle movement and calm your mind, genes are switching on, you're turning off the genes that code for stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline. You're turning on the genes that code for beneficial cell regeneration hormones like DHEA. So when you are doing these practices, you're literally affecting your body down to the level of the genome. And I find that really, really exciting. And that's why I believe these practices should be part of medical care.
1: So basically, these practices, I mean, the conventional Techniques are part of the practice, but not a substitute, right? Correct. Perfect. That's so profound and inspiring. Uh, So, Dawson, as you probably know by now, my seven chakras is all about learning about our chakras and how these energy centers influence our lives. So listeners, for those who don't know what a chakra is, the Sanskrit word chakra literally means a wheel or a disc. In yoga, energy healing or Reiki, this term refers to wheels of energy throughout the body. And there are seven main chakras which are aligned along the spine, starting from the base of the spine through to the crown of the head. And these swirling chakras contain invisible energy called prana which is the vital life force that keeps us energetic and alive. So Dawson could you tell us a little bit about the significance of these chakras within your practice?
2: I first learned about these when I was a teenager and I was living in a spiritual retreat center and we learned kind of healing called attunement and in attunement you actually work with all seven chakras and you first of all balance your own if you're a practitioner and then you balance them in the client and we saw remarkable healings in that center as people used this these techniques and one of the most striking to me was one day i was at a construction site and the workers were using nail guns. And these nail guns are pneumatic tools that shoot nails into wood. And so you put the, the nail gun up to the wood, you pull the trigger, and it just in one stroke, it shoots a nail all the way into the wood, just in one one shot. And what had happened in this particular day, in, on, in this construction site, is that there had been an accident, and uh, somebody had had a nail go through their thumb. And so the nail gun had sh- shot the nail in through the uh, the bowl of their thumb, out through their thumbnail, and they had this hole in their, thumb, their thumbnail. We uh, this is a woman actually doing, doing this work. We uh, we took her to a quiet place. We used attunement on her. We worked with each of her seven chakras. And this is going to I'm getting chills as I say this aditya because it's uh, I, this happened a long time ago, but it made such an impression on me. I literally, in about maybe five minutes, saw that thumb go through all the normal stages of healing that normally would take in two, three, four weeks in just a few minutes. And what happened is her thumb got big, it got blue and swollen, then it got red, then the holes closed up, then it became pink, and then it was normal. There was no sign of, of the, uh, the, the the hole closed up on both sides. And in just a few minutes of doing this attunement work with her, working on her chakras, those, those holes had closed up. So, So experiences like that made me understand how powerful these healing methods can be. And when you balance the body's energies, that it has a profound effect on the physiology. So cells are happening. What's happening when you see a wound heal up is stem cells are being mobilized, and those stem cells are going to the site of the wound, and they are helping the body repair itself by turning into nail cells, skin cells, blood vessel cells, nerve cells and so on. So there's all this activity happening in the body at the physiological level, at the genetic level, that is regulated by energy. If our energy is calm, if our energy is centered and balanced, then the body is capable of miracles of healing. One of the interesting surveys I was reading recently was a survey of doctors and whether or not they believed in miracles. And it turns out that over half of all doctors, this is a survey done in the U.S., over half of all doctors believe in miracles, over half of all doctors have seen miraculous healing in their practices. Patients who should not have gotten better getting better. So doctors on the whole, more than half of them, have not only seen miracles but believe in miracles. And this, by the way, includes doctors who are
1: atheists. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Atheists as well. <laughs> that's, that's, that's definitely something.
2: <laughs> it must be challenging to be an atheist and see a miracle. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah it's like you just turned them into a believer all of a sudden and i uh, i think i think it is it is these uh phenomenons, these these uh, uh incidences that happen that truly change a person's life whether he's a he's a healer or a doctor or maybe a patient as well And I truly love asking this particular question uh, to all my guests because this question really allows uh, our guests to look at the chakras from so many different angles and so many different viewpoints. And thanks also for uh, additionally sharing that wonderful story with us. So Dawson, let's talk a little bit about your book, The Genie in Your Genes. What got me so curious about uh, the line uh, was that particular line that states that this book links consciousness To genetic change. So, if you can talk a little bit about the book,
2: there is no doubt, no doubt whatsoever, that consciousness does lead to genetic change, and I'll I'll show you how. But I I got into this uh, train of research. I've uh, helped do a lot of research. I've authored um, a number of randomized controlled trials and review papers in big medical journals, psychology journals, and I began to suspect the link between genes and consciousness early on and when i say consciousness i'm not using any kind of esoteric sense of the word i just mean everyday consciousness we're you know we're we're awake we're aware we're clearly conscious and so how does our consciousness affect our gene expression in the gene in your genes i began to read the research and i was amazed at how much research there was that showed this link so in But a lot of it, again, is um, hard to understand, hard to read. It's couched in medical jargon. It's the work of of obscure researchers. So in The Genie in Your Genes, in that book, I try to make it really – I did try to demystify it and make it relevant to to each of us. Just for example, in Chapter 1 of The Genie in Your Genes, I have an example of somebody being stressed. And they're stressed because they have – uh, been driving home from work, and they have almost have an accident. So uh, they they almost get injured, and nothing bad actually happens. They don't have the accident, but they're very their whole fight or flight mechanism gets engaged. So they're upset. They're they're shaken by this near miss that when they're when they're driving. So that that's my example. Okay, so that's a time when maybe you were almost killed on the road, and even though nothing bad happened your body goes into this fight-or-flight response. You have high levels of cortisol, high levels of adrenaline. Maybe you shake, maybe you cry, maybe you have some other kind of physiological response. So your body is responding then to an actual potential threat to your survival. You almost had this accident, and your body is responding appropriately with a stress response. Now, what then happens is that the body quickly calms down. It makes those big, complex protein cortisol molecules very rapidly. The genes that code for our stress proteins like that, they turn on in one or two seconds. It doesn't take a long time for those genes to express. They express very, very quickly. So that's an example of um, appropriate gene expression. They also break down very quickly. Cortisol gets broken down in a few minutes, so once the threat is passed, once you're no longer in danger, your body will then begin to unmake those cortisol molecules and, re- and use those precursors to make useful molecules that have to do with cell regeneration, cell repair, cell communication. So that's a normal stress cycle. And uh, we have that. Lizards have that. Snakes have that. Birds have that. Dogs and cats have it. Animals have it. That, that stress response is common to most living things. What we human beings do, though, is we can use our consciousness to make ourselves stressed later on. You now go home, you tell your children about it, you tell your family members about it, and you're getting all upset. And maybe a week later, you're remembering it vividly. And you're telling your friend, and so what's happening is that you're just remembering it. There's no threat to your survival at all, but you're remembering the bad event. Maybe you're remembering being beaten as a child. Maybe you remember having being bullied. Maybe you are having remember being really sick and being worried you want to die. So, some kind of bad bad event. You describe this bad event. It's vivid in your memory, and your body can't tell that you aren't under direct physical attack right now. So it responds By making your heart race, making your muscles tense, making your respiration shallow. And your body then starts to make cortisol and adrenaline and all of those stress neurochemicals. So your body can't tell that you aren't under any kind of real threat at the moment. And so even a year later, two years later, with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, 30 years, 40 years later, sometimes people are having flashbacks, they're having nightmares, they're remembering the bad events that happened decades ago, and it's taking a huge toll on their health. There was a massive study done here in the U.S. by that same hospital chain, Kaiser Permanente, and they looked at the health histories of 17,000 people, and they found that those who had unresolved psychological trauma from their childhood, 50 years later, they had higher levels of cancer, heart disease, hepatitis, diabetes, smoking, suicide attempts, depression, you name it. They had more of it, and they were much, much sicker than people who did not have that unresolved childhood trauma. So... If we think about those things, if we fill our consciousness, if we fill our, our memory, if we fill our minds, if we fill our perceptual screen with the bad stuff, it is terrible for our bodies. It's driving these stress hormones and neurotransmitters sky high when there's no threat to our survival. So that's the, that's the downside. The upside is if you do what I did this morning is you wake up and you meditate and mm-hmm. you then feel stressed about something later in the day. So you do EFT, you do EFT tapping. And then maybe you do some kind of, of movement. Maybe you take a walk on that mountain and engage in some reflection. So mm-hmm. you have enough self-love to do those things that fill your consciousness with Kindness, with compassion, with beauty, with altruism. What happens is the whole process goes into reverse. You start breaking down cortisol, start breaking down adrenaline, and your cortisol doesn't drop down to zero. Some some cortisol you want to be be alert, but um, those precursors that form cortisol then get released into your bloodstream. And what your body makes with them is DHEA. DHEA is your main health and rejuvenation hormone. And uh, people with cancer, for example, have very low levels of DHEA usually. So you're sending an epigenetic signal to your body by your conscious choices that is then telling your body, signaling your body to turn certain genes on and turn other genes off. Turn down, dial down your stress genes. Again, you need those stress genes when you really are running out of the the, the path of a a barking dog. But you need those stress genes then, but you need to be signaling your body to be producing lots and lots of those health-giving, life-giving cell repair hormones, and you do that with your consciousness. So we literally use our consciousness to shape the gene expression profile of our cells, it, it's, it's, it's going that deep into our physiology to where we're literally shifting the neurotransmitters in our brain, the hormones in our, our body, and the entire functioning of our physiology is changing based on our awareness, based on our consciousness, based on the kinds of practices that, that we use. So th- this, to me, is tremendously exciting. If, if this were a pill, it would be a miracle pill. <laughs> Definitely. Because one little pill, it's going to regulate your blood pressure, it's going to make your muscles relax, it's going to make your blood flow well, it's going to give you a nice, even heart rate variability, it's going to uh, make you feel, feel this wonderful sense in a peace. it's going to release endogenous endorphins in your in your in your brain so you feel really good you laugh a lot more here's a pill will you take it it's free <laughs> of course <laughs>
1: sign me up for that <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we have it. It's consciousness. It, it, it's our consciousness to do all that. So, I guess it's all about the gene expression. And thanks for uh, telling us about that term and sharing that the effects of an accident, for example, the effects don't have to be physical per se. They can be psychological or hormonal. And those effects can make a huge difference in our daily lives. But definitely, there are ways and practices to reverse those effects for healing. So, thanks for sharing.
2: Yes, that's absolutely right. That's true.
1: Now, I know that you're an expert at EFT, the Emotional Freedom Technique. Can you tell us a little bit about this particular practice?
2: Sure. EFT is a combination of modern psychotherapy and ancient knowledge. And the modern psychotherapy part is that it uses techniques drawn from exposure therapy and cognitive therapy. And exposure therapy is a therapy that, in its simplest form, simply has you remember bad stuff that happened to you and usually we don't want to remember bad stuff like you know if 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 something dreadful happened to you you we have various coping skills like um maybe you you forget maybe you dissociate maybe you 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 go numb you numb yourself out so um exposure therapies have you remember the bad things and there are ways of remembering them and then um, removing the emotional intensity from that memory It also involves elements of cognitive therapy, how we think and the stories we tell ourselves about the world. So it has very simple ways of bringing in those two modern psychotherapy methods. But the magic ingredient is acupressure. While you're remembering the bad stuff, you apply pressure to one of 12 acupuncture points. Either you can just Rub them, or you can tap them, or just apply gentle pressure to them. What that does is, what happens in the brain when you do EFT is so interesting. When you say remember that car crash, and your body starts to go to fight or flight, and you start to to produce all those stress biochemicals, you're remembering this thing. That memory is held in your In the parts of your brain that that deal with memory, there's a strong emotion, the fear arises, and then you start to make those, those hormones. So there's a signal from the memory to your body to go into fight or flight, to go into the stress response. But now you tap do EFT and tap while you're remembering the thing, now your body is getting a completely contradictory signal. It's getting this very soothing signal of pressure on acupuncture points. And so the body is getting these two signals and saying, huh, I'm getting the signal from the mind, this memory of the car crash saying, go into fight or flight, go to stress, there's danger right now. And I'm getting this second completely contradictory signal from this acupressure saying that I'm safe, I'm okay. What the body then does, what a very interesting thing happens then, the body realizes that that memory of the car crash is not a threat to your survival right now. It's not a signal to go into fight or flight. And then it breaks the association between having the memory and the physiological response. So once you tap, do EFT on a bad memory, that you, still, you can remember the bad thing if you want to, but there's no longer the emotional message to go into fight-or-flight and engage the stress response. Once you break the association in the body between the memory and going into fight-or-flight, the association stays broken. So, for example, we we worked with many, many thousands of veterans now, mostly Vietnam veterans. And one example I'll give you as a veteran, I talk about this in the EFT manual. And this veteran had been haunted for over 30 years by nightmares. And he... Uh, Although he survived the Vietnam War, his best friend had been killed. And the day his best friend was killed, they'd been on patrol together. And they would go on patrol together every day. And his best friend was always on his left. He was always on his on the right. So they would go on patrol in this configuration every day. And the day his, his best friend was shot by a sniper, instead, his best friend – and he had reversed positions. So his best friend was on his right. And so for 30 years since Vietnam, he's had the story that – bullet was meant for me. He has was full survivor's guilt, he has flashbacks, he has nightmares, and uh, his physical health was very poor, and he had been tormented by this memory of his best, best friend's death. We then had him do EFT tapping on that single memory. So again, he's thinking about his, his friend's death, the thing that normally brings him so much grief, and when he tapped, his eyes opened wide, and he said, I just realized just the way I would have died for him he would have died for me. And he had this complete shift in his perception. And for the first time, he felt at peace around the event. And he, his, his nightmare stopped, his flashback stopped, and he felt complete peace. And he worked through his Vietnam memories, because there were others as well, one by one with EFT, but suddenly he's no longer driving himself into fight or flight with that memory, with that aspect of consciousness. So that that's how EFT works. You remember the bad thing, you combine it with the tapping, it breaks the association in your brain, a part of your brain called the hippocampus, that associates uh, bad things with potential bad things that might happen now, and once you break the association, it stays broken. So EFT is a kind of very, very, very simple uh, method, and later on, I'll give you, your listeners, a way to actually f- get a free download for how to do EFT, and it's it's just absolutely amazing in its ability to take life's bad experiences, those, those things that happened that have an emotional impact on us and just remove all of that emotional charge we have around them.
1: That's so interesting uh, that you mentioned because uh, even I remember that we automatically tend to forget the bad things in our lives in the past, but those memories, those experiences keep coming back to us again and again, time and again. And uh, from what you say, EFT changes those signals to sort of, in a way, confuse the brain, but make a positive association so that that new association, like the story that you shared of the Vietnam uh, War veteran, that can lead to a massive change. So thanks for explaining that.
2: Yes, and that function of our brains, remembering bad things and trying to suppress bad things, uh, our minds are the cause of most of our suffering and when we reflect on bad things when we repeat old old behaviors when we dissociate from painful memories all these are ways in which our mind is actually keeping us suffering and so the way out is the body the way out is to become really peaceful in your body that's why i mentioned things like meditation like yoga like heart rate variability heart math like eft all of these things are working at the level not in the mind i'm not trying to convince you I'm not saying gee jim you shouldn't think that way about your buddy's death in vietnam this isn't a mental thing at all it's simply a, a body-based approach and all of these body-based approaches are tremendously useful in the healing
1: process well thanks for that now, through the wisdom that you share and the stories that you've shared uh, thus far, it's obvious that you're an expert at EFT. Uh, so, my question is, w- what were you doing before you began this practice? If you could share the story behind it, sure.
2: I spent most of my early career as an editor and writer, and also managing publishing uh, enterprises. So, as a manager of a publishing company, I wrote a fair amount. I um, was also a ghostwriter for some other people's books, and I got more and more so so eventually i was i was publishing in the holistic health field so i was i was managing a publishing publishing company that was publishing health meditation spirituality books but with eft i got more involved in advocacy. I didn't just want to just be a publisher and be encouraging this kind of work. I I felt a real burning passion to get this work into, as I mentioned earlier, primary care. Alternative medicine is wonderful, but as long as it stays on the sidelines and alternative, it's not going to be able to help very many people. If it's right there in the front line of medicine, then that's where it can help millions and millions and millions of people. So I, became, I, I gradually shifted. So I uh, wrote. <clears throat> actually wrote, wrote a book about, about the chakras and, uh, and children. This is hard to believe. 30 years ago, I wrote this book called Communing with the Spirit of Your Unborn Child. And it was about how to do energy work with your child in the womb. Because I did that with, with all, all my three children when they were in the womb. I did this 30 years ago. I was doing this uh, chakra balancing work with a fetus. It's very, 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 very powerful. And that book is still in print and still... Uh, uh, has a, quite a following even 30 years later. But um, I more and more got into advocacy, and that's meant research. It's it's great to have stories, and my website has over 5,000 stories of people who've used EFT successfully, so lots and lots of anecdotes. But you need to have the kind of research that will allow a psychologist to go to the head of the hospital, hand them a randomized controlled trial or th- three or four, and have hard scientific data, that the stuff works. So I've, I've, I've been shifting more in the last 10 years into doing that. And now we've gone from zero to over 100 scientific studies of EFT in the last 10 years. And now we have the ability to uh, actually Make those presentations and try and con- uh, convince people in power that these these therapies should be used. It's a long, hard slog to change the medical model. The U.S. government did a report in 2000, and they asked the uh, the, the National Institute of Health to figure out why medical innovation is the way it is. And in this big, impressive report, the government produced, they found that it takes almost 20 years for for the average medical innovation to get from the lab to the patient. And that of those that make the journey, this is called the translational gap because they're having a hard time translating effective new methods of healing into patient care. So this is called the translational gap, and it takes almost 20 years to to reach patients. And that's the good news. The bad news is that only 20% of medical innovations ever reach the patient the other 80 percent are lost and there's an really entrenched system of doing things the way the way they are and what i ask people is if uh, i were to say i was to, to be a nice guy and buy you a cell phone i'm gonna buy you a cell phone so i'm gonna buy you a cell phone you know, and i'm gonna buy you a cell phone and i'm gonna give you the cell phone as a gift and this cell phone is a 20 year old cell phone and 80% of its capabilities are shut down. Only 20% are there. Would you be happy using a 20-year-old cell phone that was 80% disabled? And, of course, the answer is no. You wouldn't want, to, want your computer to be 80% disabled or and 20 years old, or your cell phone, or any of your technology. And yet, that's exactly what we seem to be perfectly content with in medicine. And it's just a, a crazy system that, suppresses, that systematically suppresses innovation in medicine. So that's why I'm so keen on getting these kinds of, of new healing techniques to people. We, they need to not take 20 years. Those veterans who are suffering uh, now after the, after the more recent war shouldn't have to wait 40 years for effective therapies. And those people who have been been victims of natural disasters, it shouldn't take that long. We have to just completely shift our paradigm and start to get these evidence-based cures to them quickly
1: and efficiently. Thanks for sharing. I recall I recently read a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson who said that the only person you are destined to become is the person you decide to be. And It's obvious. Love it. (laughs) Love it. And it's obvious at some point in life you made that decision to become the person you were destined to be. And not only that, you took action. You met the right people, you did the right things, and you believed in yourself, most importantly, which led you to becoming who you are today. And that is phenomenal. So thanks for sharing.
2: You have to take action. And if you are going to create the person you become, why not? Set your sights as high as possible. Why not be be the the best possible version of you? Why be content with some small, fragmentary, strangled, cut-off version of self? What I I tell people is tune into the grandest version. What What does the cosmos think your purpose is? Don't ask yourself what your purpose is. Ask the highest power you can imagine what its vision of you is, and then act and align yourself with that. And you're right about action when you take even a small step, maybe a step in the wrong direction, but when you, when you do something practical, you then catalyze all kinds of other other uh, influences, and magically, the world then starts to coalesce around your ideas. But when people just take those thinking, those first steps toward their own greatness, then it catalyzes the release of all of the cooperative components there are in the universe that are supporting that vision. And suddenly, you can do things, you can become things, you can envision things, you can accomplish things. You couldn't when you were stuck in that little, small, uh, limited version of yourself.
1: So on that very same note, I can imagine a person listening to the show right now saying, this is out of the world. I would like to transform my life today itself and right now. So what are certain benefits that a person could obtain from practicing the EFT technique? Uh, Now, I I would appreciate it if you could break those benefits into short-term and then long-term benefits as well.
2: Short-term benefits are you are reducing your stress. We did a large triple-blind randomized controlled trial was published eventually in the largest in the oldest peer-reviewed psychiatry journal in the US. And this rigorous study showed that short term, after just a few minutes of EFT, your levels of stress hormones drop. So we found that after a one hour EFT session compared to talk therapy, that people's anxiety dropped by twice the amount, their depression symptoms dropped by twice the amount, and their cortisol dropped in lockstep with their anxiety and depression. So short-term, you're literally down-regulating the genes that code for stress hormones in your body. So short-term, you're calming yourself. And so whenever you've had any kind of a problem or any kind of a stressor, then you, you immediately release that tension by tapping. So short-term, it reduces your your stress. Uh, Long-term, if you have a pattern of reducing your stress consistently, then your body changes its set point. We all have a set point for hormones like cortisol, like DHEA, and that's the biochemical cocktail that we Uh, personally enjoy. So you are used to a certain configuration, a certain ratio, for example, of serotonin and dopamine in your, your brain. If your serotonin goes way up, you're going to feel uncomfortable. If your dopamine gets out of balance, you'll feel uncomfortable, and you then bring it back into balance. So you're used to living in a Biochemical stew inside your body that feels very familiar to you, and it, when it's disrupted, you you feel you feel bad. It's like you know if, if I uh, if if you like sugar in your tea, and uh, you like your tea with say two spoons of sugar, and I hand you a cup of tea with a teaspoon of salt instead, you take one sip, spit it out, and say this tastes terrible. Same thing if we're not in alignment if we're doing things that are driving our internal biochemistry out of whack. So um, what happens is after a while with EFT is you actually change your set points. We all have set points for each one of those neurochemicals. And um, it's hard to change those set points. It takes several months to do it. But when you get used to being less stressed, I'm less stressed today and tomorrow and next week and next month. Do that for three or four months. You actually completely change your internal biochemical mixture, and you become used to living in a really really low-stress lifestyle. You you, you have a low-stress ability to discharge stress, and so your whole ratio of all those internal neurochemicals changes long-term. So you become much more peaceful, much more resilient, much more able to, to cope with life's problems. We all do have problems in life. We do all do have challenges. Life isn't perfect for anybody, anybody. And the crucial thing is, are you resilient? Can you cope with those? How do you deal with those setbacks? And so long-term, you become much more able to deal with them, and you actually literally shift your entire internal physiology, which in turn improves the aging process. So you age more slowly. There's something called chronological age. And I can tell you I'm 59 years old. You can tell me you're 31. So we all tell each other our chronological age. We also have something called our biological age. And our biological age is measured in a little molecule in our chromosomes called telomerase. And telomerase is our, our internal aging clock. And somebody can be 60 years old chronologically, but only 45 years old biologically, or they can be 60 years old chronologically, and they can be 75 years old biologically. So stress is shifting, is changing the the configuration of telomerase in our chromosomes, and that's the main cause of aging. So you're literally long-term, you're able to to shift your body in a much healthier direction, and that then means you age much more slowly. Your body regenerates much better as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Thanks a lot for sharing that. And from what you say, it seems like uh, by changing our set points on a consistent basis over a long-term period, we, we end up changing who we are in a positive way because our belief systems change and our ability to cope up Uh, with a problem or something that might come or or a challenge, that changes as well. So it sort of uh, uh, transforms us in a way. Would you agree? It does.
2: It changes you completely. It changes you from the inside out. It changes your awareness, changes your body, changes you at the level of your hormones and genes. And then when all of those things are changing, your life changes. <laughs> the people you attract change. change the, the, the money you attract changes. The kind of social interactions you have are different. Your relationship with your parents, with your children, with the people around you, with your fellow team members – Everything starts to shift, and I can tell you it becomes really beautiful. You're far more successful financially, usually. You aren't stressed. You aren't driven. You have higher quality relationships. Your whole life is a far nicer place to be than it was before.
1: Beautiful what you say, and the way you put it reminds me exactly of what Aristotle said. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. And like you said, habits form over a long period of time. (laughs) So thanks. I love that
2: quote, that Aristotle quote. Wow, good. Thank you.
1: Now Dawson, the alternative healing space is truly amazing where at times miracles can take place. And with the help of a right healer, a guide, or a mentor, people can literally transform their lives. Now, I know you mentioned uh, one story earlier, but could you share another uh, really inspiring client success story that you have uh, had till date?
2: I'd be happy to, and uh, I'm just trying to think about which one to share. What we do in my organization is we, um, we look at people's interests through five different lenses. And uh, in the EFT manual, uh, we actually break these down, and th- those five different parts of life are your health, your work life, your love relationships, your relationship with money, your spirituality. Those are the five life areas. And you can break life down into more than five, less than five. Uh, there are other ways of categorizing them, but th- those five areas. So what I, what I try and do in the EFT manual is show our people... How people apply EFT in each of those five areas. Usually, we're strong in one area and we're weak in one area, and we're in the middle with the other three. So you'll find people who, for example, make money effortlessly; it just comes to them totally naturally, but their relationships are terrible, or their health is excellent, but they just can't seem to get their their work life in any kind of satisfying space. So usually. Um, just thinking about which of those areas areas to pick, one, one of the ones that I, uh, I, I might talk about in relationships is a woman who was in listening to a program like this. And actually, she was listening to this program uh, about a year and a half ago. And it was uh, me in conversation with a dear friend of mine called Joe Dispenza, who's a chiropractor and a very well-known uh, healing figure in the U.S. And so Joe and I had this amazing one-hour broadcast talk and this woman had been suffering for uh about five years from a degenerative neurological disease and she had a a job that she loved she was a horticulturalist um but eventually her muscles had become so wasted she couldn't do her job she had to quit her job so when she was listening to that this is just a one-hour interview with me and joe she was lying in bed. She was severe, had become severely depressed. Uh, she, her muscles were, weren't functioning. She heard that interview about the possibility of healing, and she said, maybe, just maybe, I could heal too. So she began to apply these self-healing ideas. She began to meditate, to do EFT, began to practice this, and her depression began to lift. She began to see hope in her circumstance. And she then came and took a live workshop with me. Um, she began to apply this systematically in her life, and enormous numbers of things happened. So I have a video, which I posted on my website a few months ago, of her at the live workshop, throwing away her cane, dancing around the room.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> that
2: and I is about relationships Because her, her husband is a Vietnam veteran, and she described how he was drinking a lot, how he was uh, at night just, just drinking and then immersing himself in in, in, in TV, not communicating with her. Their, their marriage was very shut down. And she said, now what's happened is he's is, 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 is begun to drink less and abstain more. He's begun to connect with her and communicate with her. They're having fun again. All kinds of good things are happening in her life. So uh, these ideas have the power to radically shift all those five life areas. And that's just one of, again, there are are 5,000 stories on my website. There are hundreds of thousands of stories. We estimate that over, over 20 million people worldwide use EFT. So there are a lot of people who've seen a lot of miracles with this method.
1: That is truly an unbelievable story. So thanks for sharing. And I'm sure that this would give our listeners proof that a transformation is possible. Now, from your experience, what is one highly beneficial health advice or tip that you could share with our audience, which can be implemented immediately? For example, one of our guests recently shared that the exercise of oil pulling in the morning can be really beneficial.
2: I uh, think the simplest possible exercise, and again I, I have all of the we 'll share this, this link where you can get all of these for free here 's one incredibly simple one whenever you 're stressed, whenever you 're upset, whenever you 're in a situation likely to make you stressed, do one thing with your body, one physiological thing, and that is relax your tongue because there is a nerve that runs from the back of your tongue. Into the part of your body that's responsible for fight or flight. And if you relax your tongue, that sends a signal to that. Part of your cerebellum in your brain that you're safe and that you aren't under threat. So just that one practice of relaxing your tongue is is vital. In fact, in our relate, we have an online relationship course called Tapping Deep Intimacy, and um, that is the very first thing we teach people: just relax your tongue. Because if you're with your spouse and they're doing or saying something that always makes you crazy, just relax your tongue. And you'll then send this relaxation signal all throughout your body. So that's one one tiny practice that you can do that, again, just do that one item for yourself, that one piece of self-care, and that can
1: start to shift. Well, that is some super advice. I truly haven't heard of that uh, particular uh, exercise before, but I will try it out today itself. So let's move on to the next phase of our show, which is all about a major challenge or a learning moment. At My7Chakras, we are all about gaining life lessons from the experiences of our guests. We believe that it is only when we push ourselves beyond our comfort zones that we become stronger and wiser. So Dawson, tell us about a time when you were faced by a major challenge or barrier. Take us to that moment. Uh, Tell us what you were feeling at that very instant. And then how did you approach that particular challenge?
2: Well, I'll give you two examples, one personal and one institutional. Um, The institutional one was that just yesterday I got some bad news, and there's a program that's been running at the biggest military base in the U.S. called Fort Hood. It's been running now for close to 10 years. It's called Reset, and it offers alternative therapies like acupuncture, Reiki, EFT, EMDR to uh, soldiers with PTSD. And it has a phenomenal track record. They've done research and shown that that it's very effective for PTSD. And I just heard yesterday that it's being shut down at the end of this month, that, that program's being shut down, and um, it's being replaced by a conventional therapy program where they will not be offering Reiki or EFT or EMDR to those, those soldiers. So when I hear things like that, and again, we, we actually donated a lot of money to training those practitioners and helping that program succeed. So uh, I feel discouraged. There, there are t- days when I, I look at some of the things going on in the world, and they just seem too big for me. What do I do? What, what is my response to that? And so I have a hard time not feeling stressed and discouraged when we have those, those kinds of setbacks. And so I, I can't tell you I've figured out the answer yet. But um, I just heard about this and I'll I'll, I'll be really tuning in for some kind of response. And the second one is a a personal one. I did all this work with people with PTSD, did this research, the randomized controlled trials, and found EFT was really effective for PTSD. We had about we have about a, a 60% drop in PTSD symptoms, flashbacks, nightmares, and so on. So that was effective. I was doing good work in the world, and most parts of my life were, were good. But I was overweight. I was close to 80 pounds overweight. And so year after year after year for like, 20, 30 years, I tried diets, I uh, would. Um, I tried every every you know, major diet there was, and I'd lose a little bit of weight, but like what they call yo-yo dieting, I'd lose the weight and I'd gain it back again. So here I was, I was a keynote speaker, I was a health researcher, I was lecturing a lot of medical conferences, and I was really, really overweight, and I, all the best stuff I tried. Was not able to overcome that, so that was a huge personal challenge for me. And about five, six years ago, I um, I finally began to use EFT and some of these other techniques for weight loss, and I was able to lose. My goal was to lose forty pounds. I lost forty pounds, kept it off for the first six months, then a year, then two years. Now it's been over five years. So uh, that was that was a big one for me, though. Was was to have most of us are doing some things in our life that are really successful and things that aren't. So maybe, again, you're just brilliant when it comes to finding f- fulfilling work, but your relationships aren't very good. Or maybe you, you have a challenge with weight or with maybe your interpersonal relationships are bad. So um, all of us excel at certain things and then persistently fail at certain things. And I think that's, that's the biggest grief in most of our lives, Ajit, is that there are things that we don't just fail at once that we f- fail at over and over and over and over again. So um, that's, that I think is for most of us, those persistent challenges where we try our best, and we still fail. So um, I think, even though successful people I've found have their kidding's heels, you get to know them. Uh, I, I'm lucky to know many other best-selling authors, and they may seem to have perfect lives on the outside. You get to know them, and you find that they have-you know, they have, they have, they have a, a son who committed suicide, they have a-their uh, they're parents have Alzheimer's, they're, um, they have a financial disaster that's looming. Uh, so, um, all of us. Part of the human condition is we have stuff to deal with. And so we all have those challenges. I have mine. You have yours. And um, so these kinds of methods, though, are really help to us, whatever those might be.
1: So first of all, thank you for sharing your precious life lesson with us and allowing us to learn from your experiences. Going back to a moment of challenge is never easy. So I applaud you for that. Because these experiences, we believe, only make us stronger, bolder, and wiser. So thanks again for sharing.
2: Aditya, it was a pleasure. And uh, thanks for asking the question because often uh, we do focus on all the, all the easy things in our lives and we don't ask those questions. So I really appreciate you including that one.
1: So Dawson, now that we've learned about your experiences facing a major challenge, we are now moving to the next portion of our show, which is all about finding the reason we've been placed on this earth. We're going to talk about finding your true calling or your purpose. So listeners, I'm sure many of you would agree that when you find your true calling, it's empowering and energizing. You'll realize that you've been training for your calling since the moment you were born. And just when you need it the most, the right people will show up with just the right tools. You'll need to support you on your journey. So my question to you uh, is, have you found your calling? If yes, what is your calling? I
2: have found my calling and I think I did find it fairly early in life. And that calling in two words is to amplify love, to feel the point of love inside and to amplify it however is possible on the outside. And it, may, it might seem odd that you can amplify love through science, but you can. Science is like a, um, a metaphorical language through which we, are, which we exchange ideas. And so, by doing the research I've done, writing the books I've done, I know we can tune people to to finding the love inside themselves and letting go of all the reasons for not having it. So so my calling is to amplify love and then how you do it is is another question. In in my case is through through offering online courses, having a big website, uh, doing keynote speeches, doing summits, telesummits, radio shows. So any lever I can find through which I can amplify love, I, I will do. And uh, the Libra is less important than the intention and the act. So uh, I think that in two words, it's, it's to amplify
1: love. Thanks a lot. So from the Buddhist term, Ichin and Sanzen, that I shared at the beginning of our show, life is all about these magical moments. So what is that one moment that you can share with our listeners beyond which you knew without a doubt that this is what you were meant to do? Let's go back in time and let's hear the story. When I was
2: 15 years old, I was uh, severely depressed. I was—I um, see photographs of myself then, and just just see this just really depressed-looking kid. So um, unhappy, depressed, not doing well in my life in many ways. And um, I uh, also, my my family was one in which there was a lot of strife, and um, I just felt really alienated from the world. I didn't have, really I didn't have any friends. Um, I was very, very solitary. I was basically get a book out of the library every morning, every every day, and go to school, read the book in the afternoon, in the evening, turn it back in the next day. So I'd read one book a day. So I was reading a lot, but totally solitary, just couldn't deal with other people or my family members. And um, in this very despairing place at the age of 15. One day I simply had this spontaneous experience that the universe is love. I just suddenly was, had my experience, my, my whole awareness flooded with love as one of those cosmic moments that you never forget when you simply know for a fact love is. There's an old Hermetic saying that um, to the person who's had the experience, no explanation is necessary. To the person who's not had the experience, no explanation is possible. And when you've just had this experience of transcendent love, no one can argue you out of it. No one can say, well, it was a hallucination. It was there, there, there is no such thing. It's just a fact in your awareness. You've, you've had this direct experience. And it turns out that actually many people in their mid-teenage years do have those kinds of experiences. Also, many people, when they're children, have those experiences, but don't have the vocabulary to explain them to us. So, um, so like many people, I had that one moment when I just felt as though um, the universe was love. Many of us have those peak experiences, and the question is how can we induce those on a daily basis and the way to do it for me is meditation so now every morning i wake up the first thing i do is sit sit up and i get into alignment and i tune in really deeply i meditate i use a form of meditation called eco meditation which again we will give people a link to get that uh, for free at at the end of the show and um, i do that every day so now every Day, I tune into love, and I ask myself, how would love approach the challenges I have today? I know I have responsibilities, I have projects, I have challenges, I have opportunities, and to uh, see those all through the lens of love. How do do I amplify love? How do I extend this inner perfection into the outer world? When you start to obsess about that, Aditya, when you actually really ask that question every day, When you ask the universe to show you how to live your purpose and how to live from the universe's highest vision of you and you make yourself available to the universe, the universe starts to use you. It can't use you if you're distracting yourself with media and love affairs and relationships and drugs and alcohol and um, loud loud, uh, stimuli. You have to get still. You have to tune in to that inner voice. But if you do that... If you tune into the inner voice, then you become better and better and better at hearing us messages. It's like learning a new language. At first, it's hard, it's hard to make anything about what people are saying in that language. But tune yourself to it more and more, tune yourself to your inner voice more and more, and you start to understand what your inner voice is telling you. And when your inner voice has a cooperative outer human being with a body and a mind and arms and legs and, and, and vocabulary and money and influence to work through, it starts to work through you. It starts to work through you more and more strongly, more and more powerfully. And as the, you strengthen that, that alignment with daily meditation, then you become entrenched in that ability to translate those that inner inspiration that you're tuning into and receiving every day into effective outer action. And your whole outer world becomes infused with the the priorities, with the practices that stem from that inner guidance. So that's really uh, what I I do every day. I have that, that intense experience at 15, but now every morning I tune in I know the universe is love. I know that my job is to express an experience and amplify that, that in this day. And the question that is, how will I do that? And as you start to do it, again, the universe just brings you all of the tools you need, all of the people, all of the contacts for miracles to happen. So give this a try. You'll be amazed. It works.
1: That was one really magical moment that you had. And it's so true that if a person uh, has that experience... He or she does not need an explanation, doesn't have to prove it. They just know it. And I'm sure that this story would truly light a spark in our listeners' mind. So thanks for sharing. Pleasure. We have now reached the final round, which is called the Wisdom Round, where I'll ask you a series of questions, and you will respond with nuggets of wisdom just like in a rapid-fire round. And during this round, our listeners will get to listen to nuggets of wisdom, get inspired, and obtain actionable steps that they can take Right away. So, Dawson, are you ready? Sounds good. Awesome. So, what is the best advice you have ever received? The best advice I've ever
2: received is to relax and trust. So, just the act of relaxing and trusting that things are working out, that liberates all the energy you previously had locked up in stress and in your old ways of seeing the world. When you relax, those old patterns. Suddenly, all your energy is freed up for new, fresh, creative things to occur through you.
1: At my 7 Chakras, we strongly believe that great habits can dramatically enhance the quality of your life. So if you had to recommend a personal habit that contributes to your well-being, what would that be?
2: It's worth cultivating habits that do support your life and your goals. And there are simple ones like Punctuality, like cleanliness, like good nutrition, and all of these things can be useful. So, some may not be easy for you, but uh, there are certain habits. One that I, I love is, is work. I'm very disciplined about, about work. I have a priority list. I, I start at the top. I work work my way down. It's worth acting with focus. I also make sure my little priorities, my little Jobs of the day are in alignment with my big priorities. So at the top of my priority list, I have the five huge lifetime goals. I then compare every small thing to those big goals, to see whether they support it or not. So making a habit of dedicated work and then also working in priority in alignment as your Little everyday tasks are in alignment with your life purpose and your life goals.
1: So Dawson, could you describe the first two hours of your day? What is your morning ritual like? I
2: go to the gym every second day and I work out. My body loves the gym. It just feels wonderful to move, to act. So having a workout is uh, every other day. And then I also meditate briefly on gym days and for about an hour during non-gym days. I also then Begin to think about my, my work day, what I'll do. So I have a, a little pad. I actually, I have two different uh, places I write. One is my personal journal. I often journal. I've been keeping a journal since I was about 15, so I have a lot of journaling. Um, and I reflect on um, my day. And I also listen for my intuition and write in my journal about intuitive messages. So that's the journal. I also have a second. Pad I write on this yellow pad, and on that I write anything that my guidance and inspiration is telling me to do at work. So I'll walk into office. I'll have a little yellow piece of paper there, and I'll then be sending emails and giving staff instructions and having my team meetings. And my the whole direction of my organization is shaped by the inspiration that comes in meditation. So um, that's the way I, I move into into work. And then finally, really connecting with my wife is is very important to me. She's a highly connected person. She um, she connects people around her beautifully, all, intuitively all the time. And so in the morning and also in the evening, when I get home from work, I like to sort of put work aside, uh, really be present with her, tune in, hear about her day, and um, and then, then, of course, have connections with, with friends, with family, with, um, with my kids, and so on. So those, those connections are, are really important to me, but it's all set up by that first two hours of either exercise, meditation, tuning, and journaling, and living a Conscious and reflective life.
1: Beautiful. Now we know that reading books can be really inspiring and life changing. So if you had to recommend one book for our listeners, what would that book be? Well, my own book. <laughs> 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 really, I mean, I, I, sure, I remember sure. one
2: one, psych- one psychologist said that she was working with a Silicon Valley software executive, and he was in a wheelchair. He was really uh, had a lot of psychological and medical problems, and he wouldn't do energy work. He wouldn't do energy therapies. And she said one day he came in clutching a copy of my book, The Gene in Your is like a bible. And he said, "Okay, now I understand this is all scientific. Now I'll do it." So, um, so I, I, I'm really thrilled that the book's done so well. I also have the EFT manual. I just I just I talk about those books. I I make sure they get as as, as wide a coverage as possible. As far as people who inspire me, other people whose books I read, um, I've just finished a brilliant book called The Body Keeps the Score by a psychiatrist friend of mine called Bessel van der Kolk, all about how psychological trauma winds up making dramatic changes to our health and to our bodies. So The Body Keeps the Score is what I just, just read. It's a big, thick, dense book. Another book I've just finished reading is Anthony Robbins' book called Money. And if I were a king of the world, I'd make that book money – By Anthony Robbins, required reading for every single high school student. It is the best book about how money works, how to have a money mindset, how to cultivate prosperity deliberately in your life, and it is just a, a fantastic book about money. Again, it's a long book, it's almost 500 pages, but it's so worth doing. We are often economically illiterate, our children are economically illiterate, they have to go and try and figure out the whole money thing. So I made sure I, uh, that all my kids know about that book, that they're impl- implementing some of its ideas. Being prosperous, having money, gives you a wonderful thing, and that is freedom and another wonderful thing called influence. You have personal freedom and you have influence. If you have money, like, you know, if these studies I've done, it took money to do them. If I hadn't had money, I couldn't have done those studies. I couldn't be helping all these people. So now we can influence millions of people because we were able to extend our influence through money. So that book, Money by Anthony Robbins, again, a book I've just read that I thought was brilliant.
1: So listeners, you can find links to all the resources that we discuss about in the show notes. So Dawson, I truly enjoyed listening to the stories that you shared. They were really inspiring. Before you go, tell us one thing that you're really grateful for today. Tell us the best way we can find you, and then we'll say goodbye. Sounds good.
2: What I'm grateful today is just being here in this moment. And that might sound like an undramatic Thing because we're all here in every moment, but how often are we really in the moment? How often are we really seeing the people around us? How often are we looking into, into their eyes? Uh, today, when I left for the office, I spent a moment and uh, looked at my wife, kissed her, looked deep into her eyes, tuned into her, and I felt very grateful to have a, a wonderful, nourishing marriage. And so I, I took some action. I actually did something to to engender connection with, with my wife. So, so doing, doing, doing things, things like that and, and to wh- whatever the moment is you're in, to be in that moment, not just let it pass you by, not just be running an automatic pilot, but to really be alive and awake to every moment of your life. And then as far as um, that other question, DTI about where to find me, the best thing to do is to go to the website Dawson gift.com, where you can download a free copy of the EFT mini-manual and also get the instructions for the very, very, very simplest meditation technique I've ever found that is so easy to do that anyone can do it. I've taken literally rooms full of hundreds of failed meditators and taught well, them this technique, and they, they're all in a deep state within 90 seconds. So it's called eco-meditation, and you can get that for free. Through that link and your copy of the EFT mini manual, tap for yourself, see how easy it is. And again, that, that website is Dawson, much my name, D A W S O N, dawsongift.com.
1: Wow, thank you for being so incredibly kind. I am sure our listeners will love your wonderful gift it 's so worth
2: doing because i don 't want them just to be inspired. I want them to take action, and you 've emphasized from the very beginning inspiration's wonderful Fe- feeling good is wonderful, but then it 's actually doing the practices' it's actually doing those things every single day to where they become part of the fabric of your life when you when you 've done that you 'll see everything start to shift, but it 's it's not enough to be inspired and hear about it. You actually have to practice these things and you may as well start right now today.
1: So thanks a lot for coming on our show today and taking our listeners one step closer to a human revolution. I hope our paths cross again sometime soon. You have a wonderful week ahead filled with inspiration, peace and and beautiful California sunshine.
2: Thank you, I will. And Aditya, your work is so amazing. You're a brilliant uh, uh, and, and provocative interviewer. Thank you so much for this time to spend time with your community. You are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to my com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.